Welcome to City Talks, a monthly podcast looking at the big issues facing UK cities and the latest thinking on urban policy. I'm your host, Andrew Carter, from the Think Tank Centre for Cities. I hope you enjoy the episode. Welcome to this episode of City Minutes. Today I'm joined by Stuart Bridget. Stuart is the researcher at the Centre for Cities and author of our recent briefing, Potluck, What Central Government Needs to Do to Streamline How Local Government Gets Funding to Undertake Economic Development. As everybody knows, unlike in many other countries, local government in the UK relies heavily on grants from central government to deliver local economic policies and projects. And I think it's fair to say that lots of agreement that how local government currently gets this funding hinders its ability to develop and deliver effective projects and policies. A couple of weeks ago, the government published its guidance for simplifying the funding landscape for local authorities, a commitment it first set out in the Leveling Up White Paper, which was published about 18 months ago. This followed the publication a couple of months ago of the Leveling Up Select Committee's report into funding for Leveling Up. And our briefing sets up the problems of the current system and sets out a set of proposals about how some of those problems might be resolved. So, Stuart, let's start with the problems. We've kind of got four big buckets of problems with lots of sub-problems underneath. But just take us through each of those kind of main category problems of the current system. Uh, yes, we'll do. Thanks, Andrew. Um, so, yes, as mentioned in a briefing part, look, we, we did identify quite a few number of issues um, with the funding system. But they can be sorted into roughly four categories of questions that the government will need to, to answer in order to streamline the grant system. So the first one of these is consolidation. Uh, government's going to need to figure out how it can pull together the numerous fragmented grants in the current system into a more cohesive one. Mm-hmm. Right now, there are just too many separate grants with different objectives, timelines and parameters, and it just makes it too difficult for local government to pull them together uh, to, to make joined up plans. And, and the numbers vary on that, but mm-hmm. it, and depending on who you speak to, but in some instances, it can be up to 200 or 300 or mm-hmm. we've even heard sort of 400, but the, 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 the numbers are a lot, right? Astronomical in some cases, yeah. Um, different, there are different estimates, as you mentioned, but um, you know, different bodies recently have pulled together various estimates. You know, transport funding alone is about 15 different grants, and I think over half of the funding available uh, is dispersed competitively in those pots. Yeah. Um, the second problem is one around timescale. So the challenge here is how to give local authorities a longer term certainty over their funding so that they can plan ahead. Right now, the grants to the system are often short term, they last a year or two, and then they're wound up and new grants are formed. And this just creates a, you know, a great headache for local authorities trying to plan four, five, six, seven years into the future. The uh, the third problem is one about allocating funds. So uh, I mentioned competitive pots already. So local government often has to bid competitively for funding, which is time consuming, uncertain, and it's not actually clear if this is reliably bringing forward the best projects. Um, so there's going to have to be a, a new allocation method determined. The fourth set of questions is, is one around who manages the fund, governs it, makes decisions, and how they can be held accountable for their choices. So currently, decision-making is mostly centralised in Whitehall. Central government departments set relatively granular objectives and parameters for funds. And this means that the local government then can't leverage its stronger local knowledge in order to make more impactful interventions. And so and I said at the beginning, there's a sort of there's a sense that uh, in a wide consensus that um, the current system is not to everybody's liking, as it were. 
Is it fair to say that there's also a fair bit of consensus around the sort of problems that you just identified? They, you know, if you talk to different interests, whether it's local authorities or commentators, analysts, they broadly, you know, there's a fair amount of consensus around those sort of four big buckets. Uh, there is around most of them. So around the fragmentation of the funding, um, around the overuse of competition as a means of allocation, and around a lot of the uh, obligations on local authorities around reporting and stuff like that, there, there's a general consensus that a lot of that is quite time consuming. Where maybe there's a little bit of less consensus is around that fourth question of decentralizing control um, and, and who should manage the pot and how. Um, in, in this case, central government um isn't confident that a lot of local authorities in the UK have the right governance and have the right accountability structures to manage, uh, you know, a decentralised, evolved part effectively, um, which is something that not all the local authorities mm-hmm. agree with. Uh, but it's certainly the government's current perspective, and, and they've pushed back on calls in the past to devolve transport funds, for example, to, to all counties um, because of those concerns. So it's it's certainly a barrier uh, to streamlining the system. And the fact that in the Leveling Up White Paper published 18 months or so ago, you know, they recognised uh, a need to simplify the funding landscape. As I said, a couple of weeks ago now, we got the government guidance about what they were proposing, which we can touch on later on. So that, that would suggest also that central government recognises that the system is not ideal. Let's put it like that. Absolutely. Yeah, it, it certainly does. It, it, it has made that commitment in the levelling of white paper last year to um, to streamline the system. And, and it's reiterated that commitment a, a fair few times since uh, at high levels. You know, uh, Michael Gove has mentioned it. Senior civil servants have mentioned it, and more junior ministers have mentioned it. And um, and now, as you mentioned, they've got a, a bit of a plan put forward in the last couple of weeks about how they see the first steps in doing that and, and what they could look like. Okay, so um, those are the sort of problems, uh, and there's a fair consensus around the nature of the problems, bit variation, particularly. Uh, on, on one of them, but broad consensus. What do we think about um, proposals? You know, solutions. How do we? What are we thinking in terms of how we overcome some of those uh, those characteristics that prevent local government from doing what we would ideally want them to be doing? Mm-hmm. So, um, in part, look, we put so forward a couple of proposals. Uh, well, a, a set of proposals that we think can help tackle those four um, questions we outlined before around consolidation, timescales, allocation, and then the management and accountability question. Um, So first of all, we think that government should consolidate the local economic development funding into a single pot, which shouldn't have internal ring fencing uh, for different policy areas. So what this means is that local authorities shouldn't be told they have to spend X on high streets and Y on business supports. Instead, uh, this pot should leave it up to them to determine how best they can uh, support its objectives. We also think the single pot should be allocated out in five-year funding rounds, uh, which we think can give more certainty for local authorities to plan ahead, and particularly around capital investment projects, which can can take uh, a, a long time. So just pause there. So that that's dealing with the first two of those problems. So one, you know, the fragmented nature consolidation in the single pot. Uh, proposed not for the first time by, uh, amongst others, Michael Hazeltine in his No Stone and Turn single pot the local economic. Uh, development, but then also being clear that not only consolidation, but actually uh, extending out the timeframes to a, probably a minimum of five years, ideally a sort of 10-year period, really, with a five-year break is what we were trying to think about, yeah. Exactly, yeah. And I think some of the inspiration from that comes from the city region uh, sustainable transport settlement. So the government has committed to uh, uh, five-year funding rounds, but it's already signaled several years in advance that it will be, uh, that's committing to a second five-year round for for the 
the city regions that benefit from that. So that's giving, I think at the moment, that's an eight-year time frame, um, giving them a bit more certainty to plan these you know, really time-intensive uh, transport and capital projects that, that that fund is supposed to support. Yeah, okay. So we've got, um, we're dealing with a consolidation problem, dealing with a timelines problem. Take us on to what we say around proposals to deal with the allocation problem. And the problem obviously currently is a lot of it is competitively allocated or and it's not clear what the competitive mm-hmm. criteria is. What's our, what are our proposals around that? So I think we'd, we'd broadly join in the consensus that... Um, we should move away from competitive funding as a bit of a default for a lot of these pots. Um, instead, what we recommend is that this pot should be allocated uh, according to a national strategy for economic growth. And this strategy should, should set objectives, which then um, guides how the pot is allocated to the places that can best achieve those objectives. Now, there's a question there exactly what that strategy looks like, which we can we can talk more about. Um, but we think that moving away from competition means that the government needs to have a strategy instead determining how it should make those decisions about where it should get funds and what funds should be spent on. Because I think that's an important point. We, we still think that there's a role for government uh, in allocating government funding to make some decisions crudely about who qualifies for the for the investment or for the money and, and who doesn't. And being very clear about what those things are is the step that we're offering. It's not that we're saying that everywhere is going to get something. We're, we're still saying some places may get considerably less or indeed none at all, but that needs to be driven by a very clear uh, and transparent uh, strategy and then decision-making process. Exactly, yeah. So there's still a role for government to set those kind of high-level objectives you know, around uh, what they want the economy to look like and what they want it to achieve in terms of maybe productivity growth, these kind of things. Um, but rather than the current system where the government often sets quite grandier level objectives to take some examples, you know, that that maybe are some of the worst examples, but, you know, the chewing gum fund, the pothole fund, you know, the, these are not the kind of uh, granular separate objectives and funds that the government, central government should be worrying about, should be leaving um, those more granular decisions up to the local authorities. Yeah. Okay. So then take us to the the fourth sort of element, which is how you deal with, you know, uh, management, uh, value for money, accountability, effectiveness, all of those that are making sure that, you know, the investment is actually working when it's, um, when it's deployed. Mm-hmm. So we think that the pot should be managed by the, the top tier of local authority in each place that receives the allocation. Um, there's a couple of reasons for this. In the structure of local government in the UK uh, means that often responsibilities are split between tiers and um, the local authority boundaries often don't reflect the economic geographies of the area they govern very well. So we think by taking the top layer, the combined authorities, the upper tier county authorities and the unitary authorities authorities to be the uh, lead authority on this pot, that they can better um, cooperate with with the other authorities and stakeholders in their area to come to bring together a plan that makes the most most sense for achieving the pot's objectives. We're trying to to recognise that um, sort of institutional capacity is not even across mm-hmm. um, the the country, and also because if you're focused on economy related questions, there's a sort of geography question that you need to be considering as well, which is the institutions are broadly match and mirror the 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 economy of which you're you're trying to intervene. Exactly, yeah, and I think uh, an example of a. Uh, a, a bit of a worse case where we're just considerable structural problems that local government has to deal with is the current urban form of Nottingham is currently split across nine different local authorities of varying tiers and, and this kind of thing. So that's, of course, going to make um, putting together a plan that makes sense for that economy 
uh, very difficult. And, and so we, to a certain extent, we're stuck with those structures for the moment, but by giving it to the top tier, we think they're best able to navigate that. Yeah. We, in the paper that we put out, the, pot, the potluck briefing, we also had a, you develop a sort of a worked example almost, if you take those principles and then uh, and then work them through and, uh, and introduce a strategic objective, you know, you can see what, what is what is produced. So just talk us through that. And then I want to finish by getting you getting your reflections on how far we think the um, the simplifying guidance of the government put out a couple of weeks ago, how far does it address some of the, the issues and uh, that we've just been talking about? So just just talk us through the worked example that's in the um, in the briefing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So the, the national strategy that we propose the government um, should, should draft up and, and determine, you know, it's going to have the right objectives, but we'll elaborate a bit more on right in a moment. And it's going to have to make some, some realistic and sometimes difficult choices about where the money can have the most impact and where it won't have very much impact in order to achieve those objectives. So at Centre for Cities, we think that the pot should be used to help each place get closer to its productivity potential. Um, what this means is, is that rather than closing the gaps between places across the country, which is not always uh, super attainable, for example, we, you wouldn't expect rural Cornwall to have the same productivity as central Manchester. Instead, we, we've estimated what we think roughly the productivity of each place is. And then we want this pot to help each place reach its own potential. We think that that'll do the most both for places uh, and for the national economy, as well as advance the levelling up objective. So our estimates show that the UK's eight biggest cities outside of London and Bristol are far below their potential productivity. And they alone are responsible for more than half of the UK's overall underperformance. So we think that a strategy that focuses on them uh, will do the most for the UK's economy, productivity and levelling up. So the government might choose other objectives and strategies to advance the UK's economy. Um, but, you know, as long as they're underpinned by, by strong economic understanding of, of the barriers in the UK's economy and where the potential lies, the single pot system will still apply to uh, to whatever their strategy might be. Um, so if you take a, a single pot of £13 billion, for example, which is roughly an amalgamation of a couple of the, the big ticket levelling up funds that currently exist, and you allocated that across the UK, um, how we propose it would be allocated under this productivity potential um, estimate would be that you look at the places which have the largest output gaps. So that's a, an interaction of the productivity gap that each worker has uh, relative to their potential and the number of workers in each place. And uh, based on a place a share of the total UK's productivity or output gap, excuse me, that's the same share of the funding that they would get. Now, under this allocation, um, there's a lot of places which don't have an output gap. There are some very productive places um, around the UK, local authorities outside uh, in the southeast, for example, um, which wouldn't receive any funding under this pot. Doesn't mean they wouldn't receive any funding at all, but under this amalgamated pot to achieve the objective, um, the high level objective that's set, they wouldn't qualify in this case. And, and the point to make there is, you know, if we if we were running the pot, we would be explicit at the outset that for those places that are above their productivity potential currently, you know, this this regime doesn't apply for you and therefore you shouldn't apply because if you apply, you're not going to get any money. And that's providing the certainty to these places that at least, you know, they're not in a game where they don't know what's going to happen. They know that they're not in the game and there may be other games for them, but not this particular uh, game. So exactly. that's very helpful. Um, and as I said, I think we are quite clear there that we are making some choices and setting out some priorities Others will have different choices or make different choices and have different priorities, but but nevertheless, you do have to you have to do that. Otherwise, you're just in a um, the current system that we're in. Mm -hmm. Let's finish by getting your um, your thoughts on 
the simplifying guidance that came out a couple of weeks ago from the government. They said this was this was on the back of the the commitment from the white paper. We got something last week or the week before, a couple of weeks ago. Give us a give us a quick reflection on that, Stuart. Yeah, of course. Um, so there's a number of steps in, in that that are quite promising. Um, I think it's roughly in a three phase uh, plan, and in in the medium term, in particular, does does one or two. Uh, interesting commitments there to, to reducing the role of competitive pots and competitive bidding in, in the funding process. I think that's a, a very important commitment to get. And I think um, when that's followed through, that could potentially cut out a lot of the um, complications in the current funding system and, and hopefully help um, pull it together in a more cohesive way. There's also some stuff in the immediate term um, around allowing local authorities to, to change some of their plans relating to some of the funding pots that DLUC is already operating and a bit of a pilot for, for 10 local authorities to move funds between those three projects so that those local authorities will have more power to prioritise um, the projects across those couple of funds. So, so there's a good bit of promise in it. There's other commitments around Baron departments ensuring that when they're creating new funds or providing new funding, that they try to channel it through existing mechanisms. I think this is um, this is a good aspiration, but I think it it doesn't address at, at this point anyway the kind of concern I raised earlier that all these grants they have their own granular objectives and parameters, and the the issue is that some of these objectives and and parameters you know, the central government just shouldn't be setting and i think that's the challenging point is that getting cross departmental agreement that you know actually we're just not going to tell you what to do on this level we're just going to give you the funding to a higher level policy area and it's up for the local government to decide what to do with it then yeah. i think that's the challenge and that's really uh one of the main barriers in, in actually consolidating the funding system yeah i think you know you, again i think it's fair to say that um you know, there's some positive signs in the the guidance that was set out, um, but it it's, it uh, avoids some of the 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 meatier and probably more difficult mm. problems and, and puts them firmly into phase three or uh, whatever that might be. And that, you know, that is for some ways down the line. Exactly. Yeah. Some some promising signs, uh, but I think a bit more to do and uh, a bit more on on a cross governmental, cross department kind of work on the space. Very good. Uh, thank you very much for that uh, overview and summary, Stuart, of the work that you uh, led on. As I said, it's called Potluck. You can get it on our website, centercities.org. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to this episode of City Talks brought to you by Centre for Cities. You can find us on iTunes and Stitcher by searching Centre for Cities. Please rate, review and subscribe if you like what you heard. You can also follow the Centre on Twitter at Centre for Cities or like us on LinkedIn for the latest updates on what the Centre is up to. If you have any comments on the episode or suggestions for topics we should cover in the future, we'd love to hear from you. Do tweet us or send an email to info at centreforcities.org. The music was from Palace Fires by Johnny Foreigner, used with permission and all rights are reserved.